Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. We talked yesterday about the reality that we're all full of something. I mean, you're full of something. I'm full of something. There is a spirit within me, and there is a spirit within you. We live in a spiritually saturated reality, and yet we often focus only on the physical. I know that. Uh, I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day and what matters to you today. So what are you full of? It's always a good question to ask as we get out there into the world that God so loves, because the world's going to squeeze you today. Like, right? The world is going to squeeze you. You know this. It's like a vice grip some days. So you may already be able to anticipate how the world is going to squeeze you today. But when you think about that, you think about the way the world is going to squeeze you today, what's going to come out? What is going to come out? When the world squeezes us, we need to be so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of the grace and truth of of God, so full of the word of God, that that's what comes out of us when we're squeezed. Think here about Jesus, uh, 40 days in the wilderness by himself, um, except that he was frequently, continuously menaced by Satan. Satan tried to squeeze him, tried to put the squeeze on him. What came out? The word of God. What would come out of you if you were squeezed today? What will come out of you when you are squeezed today? You and I tend to seek physical and temporal solutions um, when often the problems that we are facing are eternal and spiritual. You are a spiritual being. You are possessed. If you are a Christian, you're possessed of the Holy Spirit of the living God. I've been thinking a lot about this one episode in Mark chapter nine, where Jesus's disciples were unable to help a man who brings um, his son to them. The, The son is possessed by a spirit that robbed him of speech. That's what the man says. I brought my son to you. He is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him into the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. Um, He becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This man knows that his son has a spiritual problem. What does that sound like to you? If you presented those conditions, those physical conditions, if you rattled off that list of symptoms, what in our culture today would we say was wrong with your child? We would absolutely 100% give you a physical answer to that question. We would almost certainly tell you that your child is epileptic, has epilepsy. We would tell you to avoid, you know, rapid flashing lights. 
We would tell you what to do when the seizures happen. This man actually knows. He, he knows that his child's problem is a spiritual one. He sees signs, not symptoms. It's a totally radically different worldview. Jesus says to him, you unbelieving generation. Now, that's a pretty harsh thing to say to a parent who has uh, carried their child or brought their child to you for help. Uh, How long shall I stay with you? Jesus asked, how long shall I put up with you? It, It may be that that is addressed to his disciples. It's unclear here. But Jesus then says, bring the boy to me. The, the man has already presented this, um, this concern to the disciples and they could not drive the spirit out. That's what the text says. So they bring the child to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell to the ground and he rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father. Interesting, right? Interesting that Jesus does not address the spirit immediately. When the spirit saw Jesus, when he caught a glimpse of Jesus, when he knew that he was going to have to deal with Jesus, He did everything that he could to destroy this boy. The enemy comes to steal. It's interesting that the father says that what is happening here is that this spirit is robbing his child of speech. Steal. Kill and destroy. It seizes him. It throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. And that's what the spirit does when he sees Jesus. He throws the boy into a convulsion and he falls to the ground. He's rolling around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus does not respond to the spirit, nor immediately to the boy. He asks the father, how long has he been like this? Jesus knows uh, that this father needs attention. He knows that this child's concern is not just a concern of the child or his life, but the father as well. There's a lot of compassion there. The father answered from childhood. It's often thrown him into a fire, into the water to kill him, not just stealing his ability to speak, but seeking to kill him. That's what the enemy is up to, to steal and kill and destroy. If you can do anything, take pity on him and help us. If, Jesus said, if, everything is possible for one who believes, Jesus says, and immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. My guess is, if you're like me, that's where you are today. I believe. I believe. But I have put a lot of faith and a lot of hope in the physical promises of this world. Jesus, help my unbelief. Help me to live into the reality that everything is possible for the one who believes. Seeing things from a spiritual, not a physical worldview, an eternal, not a temporal worldview, and trusting you first and foremost and above all. Read the rest of Mark chapter 9 to see what happens in that story, but spoiler alert, (laughs) Jesus is gracious and the boy is healed. Our brother Adam Holtz is going to join us next. And yes, for those of you on the text line this morning, we are going to talk about Clarence. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
our brother Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? I, oh, dude, I am well. I am well. I'm still at good. my mom's, headed home tomorrow. She's doing great. God is good. Yeah, Very good. All the all the good things. Um, how about you? How you doing? I'm good. You know, here good. it's it's cold. It's hot. It's cold. You know, we've gone from <laughs> no, wait, ten wait below to sixty <laughs> to ten degrees. So it can't. Oh. Just, you know, it's winter. It's winter in Colorado. That's what it's I'm the saying. winter yo-yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winter yo-yo. I wish you um, wouldn't call me that, Carmen. <laughs> that you, oh, you could be your character. Your we could just call I'm you the one, winter yo-yo. The winter yo-yo. yo-yo. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Um, so can I tell, really can fit. I tell you a, a, a super super funny story? Shortly, yes. One, and then we have to talk about right. Clarence because people are clamoring. Yes. All right. Yes. Go ahead. Well, actually, I'll save the story for later. I have a funny nickname that my daughters call me that was due no. To tell me. us now. Um, tell this, us now. Well, at one point, my daughter wrote me a, a little letter, and she tried to write the word "dude," but she spelled it D U E D E D, and so I henceforth became Duet. So that's my family name, <laughs> Duet. Duet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Duet. Yeah. Um, it's All right, good. Duet. It's good. Take us uh, to the Book of Clarence. What say ye? Okay. I say ye that there is a lot of complexity here, which is going to sound like I am uh, trying to hedge my bets a little bit, and I might be. So Paul Acey saw this film, and Paul reviewed it. I have not seen it. I'm just going to say that straight up, straight up front. And it's about a guy named Clarence during the time of Christ who gets in trouble and is in debt, and he has to find a way to pay his debt quickly And he looks around and sees that Jesus is working miracles and thinks that posing as a Messiah might be the best way to raise money quickly. And in the process, seems to have an encounter with God. And if you just watch the trailer and if you read or watch any number of commentary videos, it looks like this is just straight up blasphemy. Paul was surprised by actually how fairly seriously the movie seems to take Jesus within the context of a comedy and, um, you know, telling the story of this guy named Clarence. But Clarence seems to have an encounter with God. Clarence ends up able to work miracles. And there are some that are saying, well, that's evidence of blasphemy because he's not Jesus. But Clarence himself doesn't ever pretend to be, once this happens, anything other than he is and and seems to give credit to God. And so there's a lot of complexity here. Um, Paul felt like he, he saw it as a film that strangely and unexpectedly, not that it mocked Christianity or really tried to throw Jesus under the bus, but that it actually had some significant things to say about faith. Now, since we published that review, there've been, Um, some people who have taken issue with our perhaps taking it too earnestly and asking the question, did we miss the boat? And this is clearly mocking Christianity. Um, And there's been some conversation about some secret coded messages about an offshoot group of Islam called the 5% nation that are allegedly in here. Um, But I think that all those messages are there and it, and it really speaks to 
at the end of the day, the complexity of what we do is there's an objective element. We can say, here's what's here. And then we try to say, here's our interpretation of what we think that means. And um, so anyway, we have had some criticism of this this week that perhaps we've given it too much credit. But I think at the very least, we can say it's a film that maybe goes deeper than uh, than you might have expected um, and actually has some some interesting things to say about faith. It's PG-13. There's a fair bit of content here. Uh, Clarence ends up getting crucified in the end and resurrected by Jesus. So um, it's certainly not saying that Jesus is a sham or a fraud. Uh, but there's, like I said, there's a lot of complexity here. Paul loves movies like this because he can sink his teeth into you know, interpreting all of these ideas, but certainly I, I'm not sure everybody is going to agree with, with our take on this one. Um, yeah, I think that the language, um, of, of sort of a gangster approach and, and, yeah. the, and the language of adventure comedy, probably, uh, th- those are some things that you ought to pay attention to. That's probably going to tell you whether or not this is a film that, um, you would enjoy at any level. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah. So thank you for that. All right, Adam. Um, uh, do you remember when there were songs that like celebrated marriage or that were like pro marriage? Now there seem to be like lots of like pro divorce songs and even now divorce albums. What's going on? Yep. Well, we have, Several fairly high-profile, uh, well, actually, really high-profile female singers, Miley Cyrus, Kelly Clarkson, and Kelsey Ballerini, who are going through or have gone through divorces, and all three of them have new albums out that explore that topic. Um, and in some ways, I think you could make the argument that certainly we have had breakup songs uh, for time immemorial and a divorce album is sort of a, a breakup song or a breakup album on steroids. Now, um, a couple different ways to look at this. You could say, while they're doing divorce albums, it glorifies divorce. Um, I would say with the ones that I am familiar with, which is Kelly Clarkson and Miley Cyrus's albums, there is a grappling with the brokenness that has come as a result of this. I don't think that either one of them would say that they intend to glorify divorce. I would say it seems like they're trying to make sense of something that didn't work. Uh, And so there is an empowerment angle here of how do we move forward after divorce? Um, And, you know, is that good? Is that bad? I don't, I don't know. I actually think there is, an argument to be made that we're not just getting, you know, fluffy pop saccharin or even just sex oriented songs, which often happens. I mean, Madonna has been in and out of relationships and marriage for 40 years, and we've never seen anything like this from her. She keeps doing the same thing she was doing in 1982, which is, you know, portraying herself as a pop vixen. So I think you could say, um, they're not trying to do that. They're trying to write from what they're really experiencing. And is it a justification for divorce? Is it a grappling with the hurt of it? I think there's some of all of that in here. So I don't think it's it's a black and white thing that we're talking about. 
Yeah, I do think it's an opportunity for us to talk about marriage being held in honor, what marriage really is, that divorce is yep. evidence of brokenness. It's an opportunity to talk yeah. about our redemptive need um, and the goodness of God's design and, and that anything can be forgiven and that new life is possible. Like all of those are in there. Um, yep. So. Yeah, so thank you. Um, all right, we're going to come back in just a moment with Adam Holtz. We're going to talk about Martin Scorsese wanting to make the teachings of Jesus accessible. That sounds like good news. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> what are some of the things that you find hard to believe? Do you find it hard to believe that God hears you? Do you find it hard to believe that God loves you? Do you find it hard to believe that right now God knows how many hairs there are on your head and how many are on your hairbrush? Like, do you sometimes find it hard to believe that God cares about you and the stuff going on in your life right now? My friend Susie Larson wants you to be reminded every single day, every single day, that God is good. Would you like to wake up to the goodness of God? Just text the word good to 877-933-2484. Every single day, you'll get encouraging text messages, prayers, and devotions from Susie Larson right on your phone. Just text the word good to 877-933-2484. Connecting faith to life, Faith Radio. Our, our friend Adam Holtz is here, also known as Do-Ed. Do-Ed. I'm going to work on Do-ed. that. Do-Ed. Right. Do-Ed. Yep. Um, yeah, I want to pronounce it. I certainly want to pronounce your fake name appropriately. My fake name. That's exactly um, right. I should, I should yeah, hope so. It, yeah. Um, Martin Scorsese uh, wants to make Jesus accessible. Um, <clears throat> that sounds like good news. <laughs> Oh, Martin Scorsese is a case study in complexity. I mean, this is the guy who brought us The Last Temptation of Christ, which I think we can safely say is one of the most controversial movies that Christians have ever responded to. Um, Scorsese would say that he is coming from a serious and intentional Catholic perspective. And um, we could have a very long conversation about the spiritual themes in Martin Scorsese's movies, uh, and they're there. And so when he says he wants to make Jesus accessible, what he is is saying, and he said in an interview in January with the Los Angeles Times, he said, right now, religion, you say that word and everyone is up in arms because it's failed in so many ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean the initial impulse was wrong. Let's get back. Let's just think about it. And so he's making a movie about Jesus. Um, and I think he's trying to split the difference between belief and the organized expression of belief. And I think as Christians looking at history, we would look back and say, it's really impossible to split that difference because believers are by necessity imperfect. We wrestle with sin. We don't get things right. Uh, And so there's the whole, I want to be spiritual, but not religious, or I want to believe and claim Jesus but I don't want anything to do with his people. In some ways, I think you're putting yourself on a pedestal and saying you have a pretty high estimation of, it, of yourself because the church is, is not perfect. If it was, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come to die for us. So on one hand, I find myself sympathetic to what he's saying, that organized religion often has behaved in ways that give it a black eye. 
But on the other hand, I think we have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater because uh, it's the bride of Christ and he came to die for us and to purify us. And we know that it's not perfect, whether we're talking Protestantism, Catholicism, uh, you know, any other expression of the Christian faith, nobody got it right uh, in terms of a pure and perfect expression of that in the world because we're all broken, you know? Uh, so there's a lot of complexity here. I think Martin Scorsese is a pretty amazing storyteller. Uh, I think that he often pushes the boundary and is very comfortable showing human depravity, you know, case study number one, Wolf of Wall Street, which is the most extreme movie I've ever seen. Um, and so again, this is our, our third topic in a row with a lot of complexity, I think. Yeah. Um, I appreciate I, that Scorsese likes Jesus and wants to tell us about him. Yeah, I um, I I want to highlight his motivation to do this because his motivation to do this grows out of what he would see as you know, kind of like my pastor challenged me to do this. So Scorsese's in a meeting last May where the Pope has gathered a bunch of artists, and huh. um, uh, and he he says about this. Um, I have responded to the Pope's appeal to artists in the only way that I know how. I am imagining yep. and writing a screenplay for a film about Jesus. And so when I think about um, spheres of influence, cultural spheres of influence, how God wants to use us in our, um, in our work, in our vocation to glorify him, I see this as like Scorsese responding to this, oh, hey, I'm not just making films to make films. I'm not just making films right. um, to make money. The Pope wants me to use my gifts, talents, abilities, and influence to actually glorify God. So, you know, yep. I mean, he's what, how imperfectly he ends up doing that, you know, well, we are all imperfect right. in the could, way that we do it. But the, yeah. the fact that he wants to do it and he's motivated to do it um, is to me, like I could, I can pray for that. I can, I can yep. celebrate that. Um, and I can certainly hope that, that God has a hold of, of this man in a way that, you know, uh, I, I might not align with in terms of right. my expression of the Christian faith. Um, yep. I'm not waiting for the Pope to tell me to do something. I feel like I've got really good marching orders in the Bible and I'm, uh, and I'm following those. And so that would be my, my sense of all of this, like I, right. I want Martin Scorsese. I want this to be um, an influential moment in the life of Martin Scorsese, and for God to use this particular man's spheres of influence, his gifts, his talents, his abilities, for God to get the glory. Like, yeah, whatever else happens, you know, let's just pray, align our prayers that God would be glorified in all of this. I would, I would agree with that wholeheartedly, and I want to say really quickly. Uh, my wife has a degree of, in theology with an emphasis in film and theology, and she and I have talked about this a lot, and she said the interesting thing when we look at Catholic and Protestant filmmakers is that Catholics are very comfortable with image, and they let image do the work. Protestants are inherently people of the word, and so if you ever go to a Christian movie and think, why did this not quite work for me? Well, we don't really trust image very well as Protestants. And so we get people saying prayers and delivering sermons and reading from scripture. And those things aren't bad, but I think it's interesting that the Catholic imagination, you can make the argument, is fundamentally 
more comfortable with the visual and symbolic form of storytelling than Protestants are. And I think that that shows up in Scorsese's work. Yeah, that's so good. Um, On the topic of um, mocking Jesus or mocking Christianity, apparently Lil Nas Nas X didn't mean to mock Christianity, and yet uh, he makes a mockery of God. So um, you want to just read us in quickly on that issue? Yeah, he has a new song called J. Christ, and um, there's a lot to it. There are a lot of details here. I get weary of people who clearly seem to be appropriating Christian imagery and ideas and, and words and then saying, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And even Lecrae, who is a rapper who comes from a Christian perspective, has basically said, dude, you are over the line here. And, and Lecrae doesn't do that. He's not somebody who gets on that criticism train very often. Uh, and so Lil Nas X, um, come on, don't his last song was about Satan and now he has about one about Jesus. He's a provocateur. And when provocateurs try to tell us they're not really interested in provoking, it rings a little bit hollow. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, Hey, thank you as always for um, keeping your finger on the pulse of what is happening uh, in media and culture. That's Adam Holtz. He's from focus on the families plugged in. You can check out what we talked about today and other um, tons of other good content, reviews, blogs to help you navigate the media environment we live in today as a Christian, pluggedin.com. Uh, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's sneak in a quick Friday farm report here. Well, um, on the farm back home where I am not, there uh, there are 10 inches of snow and the ground was frozen, but not like super hard frozen. Like, you know, there was no depth to uh to the coldness of the ground i don't know how else to say that those of you who live in places where the ground is really hard and cold by the time that it snows you might know what i'm talking about here so the snow is not melting from the top but the snow has melted underneath and then refrozen every night so i think there's a exciting future ahead um as it does finally warm up enough for the snow on the top to melt because what lies beneath is going to be super slick, super slick, slickery. All right. I am headed home tomorrow. Um, so uh, thank you for your prayers this week as I have been tending to my mom. Um, she's doing great. Thank you for your prayers for her. Um, you know, God, God is faithful and God is good. And he doesn't always answer prayers in the ways that we ask, but sometimes he does. And so we want to give him, um, give him all the glory and thank him at every turn and opportunity. Um, Guess what's coming up next? I don't even know how to tell you how excited I am. Susie Larson is joining us next. Yes, colleague here at Faith Radio. Um, She's got a brand new book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God. In a partnership with her publisher, we're giving away 100 copies of it during this month. You can register to win one of those copies at myfaithradio.com. I know that's different than the way we normally give away books, but that's because we're giving away so many. So myfaithradio.com to register to win one of the hundred copies of Waking Up to the Goodness of God we're giving away this month. Susie Larson joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen.
All right, here she is. Susie Larson is joining us. You certainly know her um, from hearing her here on Faith Radio. Invite you to connect with her directly at susielarson.com. Um, you've also heard over and over again that we're partnering with her publisher to give away 100 copies this month of this book that we're talking about today, Waking Up to the Goodness of God, 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. And you go to MyFaithRadio.com to register to win. Susie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, honored to be with you, my friend. Thanks for having me. I I need to um, say thank you for the way that when I was so sick and had so little voice just prior to Christmas, you totally bailed me out by coming on the show. (laughs) Well, we're here for each other. You did the same for me. I know that for a fact. So Yeah, so thank you, Mm -hmm. thank you, thank you. Okay, waking up to the goodness of God, 40 days toward healing and wholeness. First of all, thank you for the invitation into this and how transparent you are um, about this experience in your own life. Like you have been awakened to the goodness of God, and now you want to help others wake up to it as well. Maybe talk about like how how we're getting into this conversation, um, how God drew you into this process. Well, I think a lot of our listeners know my backstory of a three-decade-long battle with Lyme, and probably also know I had a pretty massive relapse about eight, nine years ago that was horrific and hard. And it was coupled with some uh, mold that impacted my brain that was affecting my cognitive ability. And I was in the middle of writing a book at that time, and I forgot how to spell. And I'd be on the air on live radio, and my tongue would go numb, and I'd forget what words belonged in my sentences. So as a communicator, uh, these were nightmares come true for me. And even though every morning I was still getting up, spending time with the Lord, loving Him, showing up to do my show really sincerely love God, uh, a friend noticed that I had developed a posture of bra- bracing for impact. She said, you, you have, you're like, you're living with locked doubles, waiting for the next shoe to drop. And, and she said it in such a loving way, not an ounce of condemnation with so much compassion. And by the way, when you're going to bring a corrective word, if there's any flesh in you that wants to bring that word, you're not the person to do it. But if there is something in you going, I so don't want to do this, but I have to, and I have so much compassion for the person, you're likely the person to bring that word of correction because she was just so filled with compassion, the compassion of Jesus, that it quickened in me. You know, I, I thought first, Carmen, that the the sense of kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop was just sort of a natural response to an unpredictable disease because you just never know when the surges would hit and they were terrifying. But when I was quickened by her words and really touched deeply and confronted in a good way, I went before the Lord and said, Lord, is, is there more to this? And the Lord showed me my heart. Um, in Psalm 139, I pray that all the time, show me my heart, search my heart. And I, the truth be told, was hurt by him and even disappointed uh, with God that he'd allowed this wretched battle, this stage of my life, and it was just relentless. And I, I was hurt. Like, you could have you could have intervened. Why didn't you? And I wasn't dealing with that stuff. I didn't realize I wasn't. And when that started to come out, I felt just the invitation from the Lord to heal. And one of the other things she said to me, Susie, is when you think about God, if anything other than only goodness and mercy are allowed to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, if you think anything else than that, when you think about God, something in you needs to be healed, and something in your thinking is out of alignment. So I set on a pilgrimage myself, and you know this because you were walking with me back then, uh, Carmen, that I needed to look at my heart and realize 
you know, and I would say this is probably true for all of us. None of us defaults, I don't think, to postures of faith, hope, and love. We default to fear, worry, anxiety, you know, to, to the worst case scenario, that kind of a thing. And my heart posture really was that, where I just was waiting for that next shoe to drop. And I realized the, perp, the, the antidote to this is building a case for the goodness of God. Because every day the enemy is accusing us and he's accusing God and he's trying to get us to take the bait to accuse God of things the devil's guilty of. So I just started to look around in my life and thank God for things that I would miss tomorrow if they went away and for a fluffy pillow for a husband who loves me and for amazing kids and food and my coworkers. And I just went on and on. And the Lord just really showed me, Carmen, that it's not enough just to amass your blessings. It's not enough to point out your blessings and count them. What God wants you to do is attach that blessing to a God who's tethered to you. These are constant proofs that you have a Father who loves you and is so committed to you. And the more that I did that, something inside of me started to heal. And I realized uh, that I was building a case for the goodness of God, and there's a strong case for it in Scripture. And my own husband said, something in you is changing. He's like, your eyes look different. I mean, you carry yourself different. And it was because I was no longer in that posture. And I'll just say one more thing about that. It's bad for your cell cells, and it's terrible for your soul to live like you're waiting for the next shoe to drop. It's not good for us. And I'm so grateful I went through that because I think we're in a world right now bracing for impact. And this is, again, we don't happen upon a posture of faith automatically. We need to cultivate a heart of remembrance, a heart of focus. And so my prayer is that this book is a healing balm for many. I'm building a case for God's goodness and hoping, helping you to retrain your heart and mind to set your eyes on what good thing does God have up his sleeve? Whatever he allows, he's going to redeem. I can trust him. So good. Um, the book is Waking Up to the Goodness of God. Susie Larson is the author. We are giving away 100 copies this month. Um, to enter that drawing, just go to myfaithradio.com. Susie, I think that, um, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being a person um God's not done with anybody, but we all sometimes act like we're fully cooked. And so yeah. like, thank you. You're a mature disciple. This is, this is not, it's not as if, you know, you just met Jesus last uh, week or last month or last year. Um, but you are entering into a process of discipleship where you're saying there's still more. Like I'm oh not my. there yet. So much and more. Yeah. yeah. And so thank mm. you, because that's really important for um, for those of us who've been Christians for, you know, a fairly long time, however long that is for you, if you're listening right now, um, however long that is for you, there's still more for God to do. God still wants more for you. He wants more for you. And that's part of what this is about. Like, maybe we have uh, drifted off a little bit and we need to wake up to the reality of who God is and how yeah. good God is. The other word I want to really just have you talk more about, you're inviting us um, to change our posture. And yes, it does affect eventually, it does affect like literally our posture, like how we carry ourselves and and uh, the, the the tilt of our head and, and the what we're focused on with our eyes, like literally you, you look diff you will look different, but the heart posture comes first. Can you talk a little bit about the posture of our heart? 
So good, yes. And if I could circle back to what you just said about there's so much more, I often say you hold a Dixie cup and the ocean remains. No matter how long you've walked with God, you hold a Dixie cup and the ocean remains. If you've ever stood in front of an ocean and you look at the vastness of that water, and then you think of all the other oceans and the seas and the lakes and the rivers and all of the water that covers the earth, Scripture says, mightier than the breakers of the waves, mightier than the waves is God's great love for you. There's always more. And anybody who thinks they've arrived have cut themselves off from learning. And I think God wants us to stay in perpetual awe of the endlessness of his love and his compassion and his grace. So I would say a heart a heart posture that I'm really learning, and I've learned it before, I'm just learning it on deeper levels, is humble boldness. It's a humility that allows for a teachability and a boldness to decide what to strategically accept and what to strategically reject, because we are so passive when it comes to attempts and attacks of the enemy, intimidation of the enemy, the lies of the enemy. And there's just, it's just too easy to go. It's, it's easier not to fight, but it isn't. Life is hard. You can do hard. So do the hard right thing and strategically reject the message of the enemy, strategically and lovingly and humbly accept the truths about God because it literally will change your life. Mm, so good. We're talking with Susie Larson. Um, she's a host here on the Faith Radio Network. You already know that. I want you to connect with her at susielarson.com. And we want you to have a copy of Waking Up to the Goodness of God. So go to MyFaithRadio.com and register um, for the drawing. We're giving away 100 copies this month in partnership with Susie's publisher. So what a great gift. We'll continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with one child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Susie Larson, host of Susie Larson Live here on the Faith Radio Network, author of more books than um, than we could ever count. She's here today <laughs> to share Waking Up to the Goodness of God. It is a 40-day devotional, but I would say it's kind of a lifetime devotional because you can keep returning to it. Uh, 40 days toward healing and wholeness. Um, are you ever disappointed with what you thought was going to be the good life? I mean, you're, you're, you're a Christian and you're listening right now, and yet you're discouraged. Um, you feel like life is full of struggle and you wonder whether or not God is trustworthy. Yeah, this book is for you. It's life-giving, um, it's encouraging, it's hope-filled, and it will lead you into and through a process to retrain your brain and revive your faith, restore a right view of God's character and redeem your story, renewing your strength um, that you might follow the one who is um, the good shepherd and the great healer and our good, good father. Susie, again, thank you for this book and the gift of it. Um, you start with being trained in the truth. So I'd like you to comment on that. And then I'd love for you to talk about 
what it means that spring is for real. So um, if you can, if you can tell us why you start with trained in the truth and then spring forward to, uh, to number five on page 24, spring is for real, that would be great. Absolutely. And what I often say is that our enemy sees our potential long before we ever do. And he starts when we're young and he targets not only those giftings, but he creates and orchestrates woundings and trauma so that he can have an easy on-ramp into our life. Uh, Like my friend Maria says, there's a pattern of theft in every one of our lives. All you got to do is look back over your childhood and you will discern, especially as a believer with the spirit of God in you. Help me see the pattern of theft. How has the enemy gotten away with stealing from me time and time again. And if you don't understand what you possess in Christ and what Jesus won for you, you won't know when it's been stolen from you. But the more that you come into the fullness of your identity, the sooner you'll discern the ways, the open doors and the windows in your life that have allowed the enemy to rob you blind. And so this first day one is really about that, that it's it, his, he, is, he is the truth. We don't have my truth and your truth. Jesus is the truth, and he's the truth that sets us free. And as we start to understand, as Scripture said, the righteous face many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. He delivers delivers us every single time. And I put it this way, what he allows, he redeems. So every time I hear this is from that reading, every time you decide to hold fast to God's truth in the face of contrary circumstances, you grow in the knowledge of God and in his ways. Every time you rehearse the truth about who you are because of who God is, you reinforce the truth in your innermost being, which is a good thing because that's where most lies go to hide. And I reference Psalm 51, 6, you desire truth in my inmost being and in the hidden places you'll make me know wisdom. I love that passage, Carmen, because as I said, the inmost being is where lies go to hide. The enemy wants to keep those lies hidden from you so he can perpetuate continual brokenness in you. But once those lies are uprooted and truth is replanted, where you once had brokenness, inconsistency, character flaws, you suddenly have credibility. You have authority because you've overcome. And in the very places you were once broken, you now have authority. That's why God wants truth in those inmost places. Uh, Dr. Rob Reamer is a guest I have on my show every month, and he said, and I kind of like I'd said it here, but he says, imprint that truth about your identity, he said, the most strategic time to do that is at the very moment that the lie is vying for position in your life, that this is one of those things you practice and rehearse and remember. So when the lie of rejection, of inferiority, of fear and projection of fear into your future, when it's coming at you, that's exactly the time to plant the truth. I am a child of God. Whatever he allows, he redeems. What I suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to me later. But also, we need to know he's a liar and an intimidator. So lots of times he will bring fears to you that are a projection of your compilation of past fears, trying to get you to imagine a future that God is not in. So not everything he threatens is going to happen. And I think at times God allows these overplayed enemy attacks so that we can wake up and take our stand and raise our shield. And then Spring is for Real, that's probably one of my favorite uh, Devo readings in the book. And I talk about, well, for me, I'll just be honest, Carmen, you're in Tennessee. Your weather, I know you have weather, but you have warmth. And I love warmth. And in Minnesota, we have winter for sometimes eight months. And there are stretches where it's cold and the sky is gray. And, you know, not everybody, it doesn't bother everybody bugs me. And the cold is, I just don't feel my best in the cold. And so I remember, and I wrote in this Devo, uh, when I was battling really bad years, years, years ago with a Lyme. 
and the struggle had been so real and so long that it occurred to me that many summers, springs, and falls, spring, summers, and falls had come and gone without my notice. And here I was in the dead of a winter that was just brutal. And it, I just felt, you know, down about that. And then I felt the whisper of the Lord to just believe him for something more. And then we had a day, I think it was March, and it was a 60-degree day. And something fluttered within me. I heard the birds singing outside. I saw a tulip push up. I saw some of the eight-foot mounds of snow start to melt. I saw kids outside without their jackets playing. And I thought, could this day be a representative of the hope that's coming for me? And I dared to hope again. And then the very next day, it was freezing cold, gray skies, and the whipping winds was like sleet was blowing sideways. And I felt like that spring day was a lie. It will always be winter in my life. And just as quickly, the Lord's voice thundered in my heart saying, you're wrong, Susie. You're wrong. This day is the lie. Spring is surely coming. There's not one season that lasts forever. And you need to believe that there's room for hope in your heart. And I realized the spring is for real. I mean, no, God doesn't appoint anybody to walk through an endless winter or an endless valley of the shadow. Spring is for real. It's coming. And God wants hope to arise within our hearts. And when I realized that, that so often again, the enemy's building a case against God, creating scenarios that seem true, but that aren't true. And that's why we've got to press on to see things, not from a worldly perspective, but from God's perspective, because he's sovereign over all. I mean, all you got to do is get in a plane, fly above the clouds, and you'll see it's very much still blue. The skies, the sun is still shining. The sky is blue. And God is on his throne. And he will, in one time, make all things new. Whew. Okay. So I, you know this, I love your passion, your inner, your energy. I would like for you to tell us, this is a little bit of a departure from the book. Um, you, how did you get so many hours out of a day? Um, because like you are so incredibly productive. And so I know you're immersing yourself in time with the Lord. Could you just share, give us a little tiny window into that? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, you know, sleep has been a, a hard, hard thing for me. And, uh, um, it's not anymore. My doctor has helped me and I've got, uh, I'm, t I'm taking in a compilation of supplements and a very low dose med that's been a miracle to me. So I'm sleeping and praise God. I mean, I can't even believe what a difference it's made just in my body because for many years I was doing everything tired, but I just like, I have stuff to do until Jesus comes to get me. I'm just going to do it. Uh, but never felt well, you know? Uh, so I'm just being honest, uh, I have a great doctor, and he said, let me try this for you. And it was just this low-dose medicine that he said was working for teens, and uh, it was miraculous for me. That combined with some supplements. I'm just saying, I just want to be real because yeah. people have heard me yeah. talk about no, army good. crawling. Yeah. Sleep is so essential, and uh, so praise God for that. But anyway, I get up in the morning kind of early, and I spend you know one to two hours with the Lord, and I just need that time. I, you know, and so I have such an appointment. There's very few people I would break that appointment with. You're one of them. And uh, normally I'd be yeah, still sitting with the Lord the right now. Right now. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's almost nothing I wouldn't do for you, Carmen. So, but uh, that is just super important to me. And then 
on the days, there's days, depending on what my meeting schedule looks like, I'll run down in my, I have a bedroom that's turned into an exercise room and I'll work out. If I don't have that time to do that, I purposely block that out for later in the afternoon. But physically, just with some of the things that I deal with, I have to work out. And I have an infrared sauna for detoxing. That's just a massive priority for me. And if I neglect it, I feel it. So those things are kind of the big rocks for me. So time, and I pray with my husband in the morning. And so, and then I jump in. And I, I, I have a, you know, my hubby and I color code our calendar. So there's things that overlap for family ministry. And then we have a separate calendar. So that's, I really live by that. But I go ahead and block things off so I have time. And I just ask God, help me keep the main things the main things. And then take my offering and multiply it. And he does. Yeah. Susie, we're so grateful for you. Thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel. We're praying for you in the launch of this book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God. Register to win your copy at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.